pumped up for this. Exactly. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the Mixed Bag Pod. Mixed Bag. Wow podcast where we talk about everything that's going on in women's golf. Um, this is our U.S. Women's Open presented by ProMedica preview episode where Justin and I are going to talk about everything there is to talk about the Women's Open here in Pine Needles. We're going to break it down. We're going to have some predictions sure to go wrong Yep. that we'll look back on with much negativity in about 10 days. But uh, hey, we're going to stick with our predictions and we're going to be confident in them. Yes. Okay. Confidence. Um, to kick us off, um, I do have some for the ladies housekeeping items. Uh, we've got our scramble events and all of our summer events really live at fortheladies.net. We are going to have a nationwide nationwide event coming in July. So keep an eye out for that and we'll have more details soon. But as always, you can just follow us on social and everything in between our newsletter and um, get the latest on what's going on at for the ladies. But Moving on to the U.S. Women's Open presented by ProMedica. Um, I think let's just start with how to watch this thing. It's all over. Lots of options. Uh, today, they said that the USGA came out with the announcement that there are 26 hours of U.S. Women's Open coverage. Um, I will read these to you, but frankly, like you should just go to uswomensopen.com to find out all of the broadcast coverage and, and more information about the championship. Um, Thursday and Friday, it's on Peacock and USA. Saturday, Peacock, which is uh, NBC Universal streaming service, USA and NBC, and then Sunday, USA and NBC, all broadcast network coverage, which we love to see. Um, but like I said, if you don't know where to go, just go to uswomensopen.com to find all of the coverage. Um, Justin and Stephanie, his wife, will be on site live, live. from the grounds. <laughs> friends of ProMedica, friends of Toledo. Um, so please keep an eye out on For the Lady social media for their live from the grounds. I wouldn't really call it coverage. I think I'm just going to call it like antics. Right. <laughs> After our displays at Solheim, let's be real. Brendan's going to be around as well. What what you expect and get out of us is it's a total wild card, but we love attending tournaments in person. We both love cocktailing at golf tournaments. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of that. I will not be cocktailing, but I will be waving <laughs> and laughing from afar. I will probably be like down, like carrying a box somewhere and I will see you guys just boozing and I'll be like, hey. <laughs> we will see, we will search you out in a parking lot or a trailer or the bowels of the Pine Needles Lodge, <laughs> but we will certainly find our dear Abby to say hello on multiple occasions and you'll probably be very frustrated with us very quickly. So our interactions will probably be extremely brief and you'll send us on our way in disgust. Gladly send you on your way, maybe meet you for a cocktail dinner afterward. Perfect. Um, well, I kind of divided this preview podcast into how the U.S. Women's Open talks about the U.S. How the U.S. Women's Open, how the USGA talks about the U.S. Women's Open. For those who don't know, the United States Golf Association is who runs the U.S. Women's Open. Um, and when they came out with the ProMedica announcement as the presenting partner, uh, they talked a lot about the four P's, which is purse, places, players, and purpose. And so um, in January, um, they announced ProMedica as the presenting partner. And as part of that was a $10 million purse, the biggest in women's golf. 
Um, and I, you know, since then, that was obviously a monumental announcement aside from just women's golf, but also women's sports and other championships have elevated their purses probably largely and in, in thanks to it. Um, I think the saying is tides raise all ships. I, I don't know if that's actually correct. <laughs> a rising tide lifts all ships. That sounds much more poetic. I think that's closer, maybe. I'm like really bad at all of those. Like any Southern sayings, which are things that I like feel like I hear a lot more now. I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to say. (laughs) Um, People put on posters that they buy from Cracker Barrel. That and like home goods. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Chevron, the Chevron championship is now at $5 million purse. Evian just announced a $6.5 million purse. I'm sure we'll hear from KPMG PGA. Um, so a really good thing, a really exciting thing. But again, we've got these four P's. And so I wanted to quickly talk about the purse. And, and next, let's talk about the place, which is Pine Needles in Southern Pines, North Carolina. Um, so Donald Ross course purchased and restored by Peggy Kirk Bell and her family. And then it was renovated in 2017 by Kyle Franz. And Kyle has done like the other courses in the area too. So Southern Pines, Mid Pines, they are all owned by the same um, person. And it is a record fourth year for them to be hosting a U.S. Women's Open, the most many course so far. Um, I've played it once. I mean, obviously it was very difficult for me, (laughs) Um, but like, you know, for me, a lot of fairways, a lot of like big fairways, a lot of very challenging greens as a Donald Ross course is going to be. Um, I think, I don't know what the grass is. I feel like I read something recently with Kari Webb and she was saying she hopes that they like overseed it. Um, yeah, I think it used to be maybe bent and now it's a Bermuda and they're hoping to get a little more firmness yeah, out of the greens. I was yeah. reading something along that, but yeah, I think if you're looking on TV, you're going to see a lot of traditional, you know, what you associate with kind of North Carolina, Donald Ross looking holes, large bunker expanses with the wire grass. There's not a lot of rough, no. really, if any rough. So you'll have some runoff areas and a lot of kind of natural looking sandy areas that'll lead to some interesting shots where you'll have bunkers that almost play more like waste areas or hard pan. Mm-hmm. with the wire grass in there and that always creates some interesting lies you know michelle we famously in the u.s women's open at pinehurst that she won had the ball that they couldn't find in the wire grass for a while so i think you'll see some situations like that but you're right you know par 71 largely a fairly accommodating golf course off the tee i think would maybe be the the correct yeah. word but you're going to see some Donald Ross characteristics and the big pines and a lot of the characteristics that people are used to seeing when they tune in and, and uh, watch golf from this area. So I think it's a, it's a great venue. You talked about, you know, they're hosting their record fourth championship. Um, you know, I think one thing that I like to point out right off the bat is you look at the three previous champions yeah. with Annika in 96, Kari Webb in 01 and Christy Kerr in 07. You know, mm-hmm. Annika and Kari Webb are easily Hall of Famers, two of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. And Christy Kerr has 22 Hall of Fame points, mm. 27. She's probably not getting to 27, but she's got 10 wins or, you know, 
It was her 10th win when I'm sorry, when she won the women's open there, okay. she had a heck of a career. I think she's got, you know, 20 wins and two of those are majors. So that gets her to 22 points. So. Really Christy Kerr awesome. has a special place in our hearts because uh, she hosted a wine tasting at Inverness during, was it during Soul Life Cup Week? No, it was during drive the on. first drive-on. <laughs> had to sit behind a table and couldn't come within like 20 feet of anybody. <laughs> but she right. hosted a wine dinner that for whatever reason I attended. I do not have a sophisticated wine palate in the least bit, but it was a great dinner. We bought some wine and she told some great golf stories. But I think the funniest part is like, we did not engage. You were there? Yes. Oh, I had no idea you were Exactly. There. <laughs> right. Like Brendan and I had just become national members. And this was like the first event that they were like, you guys should just go to. And we sat in a corner because <laughs> we were oh like, we don't, know, we don't know any of these people. And everybody's having a very rowdy, like in a good way time. And... Yeah, we were That's there. amazing. That tells you how nice of a person I am and how welcoming and accommodating I am to people <laughs> I don't know. It took uh -huh. a te it took a tequila tasting for me to actually say hello. That's amazing. So yeah, we were both there. Wow. Um, some That's things healthy. <laughs> there's a fun fact. I know. It's always it's always a great time here on the mixed bag. We're learning so much about each other still. I had wow. Boy, do I feel lousy now. <laughs> don't feel bad <laughs> um the a few things we need to point out Annika and we can get to it when we talk about players specifically but Annika won this U.S. Women's Open she will be back this year and playing in the U.S. Women's Open um Kari Webb she was the last champion to win back-to-back -back U.S. Open titles when she won um some other like fun things about pine needles and courses and players and history. Uh, in 2001, a 12 year old Morgan Pressel became the youngest qualifier. And that was, that record was broken in 2007 when Lexi Thompson earned her way in at 12 years old. Um, she was a few months younger than Morgan. And at the time she was then the youngest qualifier in championship history, but she was surpassed in 2014 by Lucy Lee. So like just the whole, and Lucy Lee, 2014 played at Pinehurst. So there's just like a lot of fun connections. It's a historical place for this championship, but it's also, um, you know, fun names. These are all recognizable people. So I hope we get some of that magic this year. Yeah, there's always, and I've got a few for later on. There's a lot of fun facts and figures when it comes to the U.S. Open, like you talked about when Lucy Lee's playing again this year, she qualified. So it's yeah. amazing with this event, when you talk about a player like Alexi Thompson, who's played in so many yeah. of these U.S. Women's Opens, and she isn't very old at all. And I think right. that's what's amazing when you look. She's at like younger than me, I think. Like the both of us. Oh, she's a lot younger than me. I think she's <laughs> maybe she twenty seven. I don't know. We got uh, bad bad radio. Bad radio. I know. Bad radio. <laughs> Let's go to the Google machine. Yeah, what does the Google machine say? Okay, Lexi Thompson. Find her Wikipedia. 1995. She's 27. Oh, I was right. Good job. I didn't need the Google machine. See, it goes back to having confidence in your predictions. That's fair. Um, are you foreshadowing? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm well, not, I'm I not that smart. <laughs> 
<laughs> so obviously we've talked purse, we've talked places. Um, next, I want to talk about the players. So, you know, how did we get here? Who fills up this field? Um, we'd love to talk about some of the, you know, obviously the U.S. Women's Open and the U.S. Open are unique in that people compete in qualifiers to get into the field. Uh, but there are certainly some people who are exempt because of their play. And some of those people are Yuka Sasso. She is the 2021 U.S. Women's Open champion at the Olympic Club. Annika, like we mentioned, she won the 2021 U.S. Senior Women's Open. Jensen Castle won the 2021 U.S. Women's Amateur. And Rose Zhang won the 2021 U.S. Girls Junior, was the 2021 McCormick Medal winner. She just won NCAAs. Um, so really fun names. Aside from USGA champions, we have Anna Davis, who won this year's Augusta National Women's Amateur. Um, and then qualifiers. I wasn't sure if there was anyone who stuck out to you or players that got into the field that you wanted to talk about. I think this is just such a unique field. When you look at this week on the LPGA tour, you have this awesome event at yeah. Shadow Creek in Las Vegas with 64 players. And I read yesterday that 19 of the 64 players are not currently in the U S women's open, mm. which speaks to a, how difficult it is to get in that you either had to have a great year last year, a really good year this year, win an event world ranking points, that it is definitely an event where your place is earned. So you think about 19 players out of 64 of an elite limited field event are not in the event. And then you talked a little bit about, you know, the amateurs and the number of amateurs that play, but you also have Symmetra tour players, you know, Jillian Hollis, I saw qualified. Yeah. She had been on the LPGA tour. Now she's on the Symmetra tour. You, know, you have Lilia Vu who just is now and having a nice year on the LPGA tour as a rookie, or maybe she's not technically a rookie, but as a player back on the tour and she qualified. So the event creates a lot of diversity and, you know, by proxy, there's some names that you associate week in and week out with the LPGA tour that inevitably don't qualify, aren't ranked, you know, in the top 75, there's some players from Solheim cup that weren't in the field. So it's just a very uniquely constructed field. And mm -hmm. I think that that gets you to kind of a lot of unique stories that people really enjoy where last year you have, you know, Megagane playing so well. And I think that's, what's so great about this event. It builds and it yeah. naturally creates stories as the week goes on. Totally. Yeah. Some names that stuck out to me and we talked about Lucy Lee, she won her California qualifier by 10 shots. Um, Bailey Davis, she was the, um, she played in the final for the U S girls junior against Rosang. Um, she qualified in Virginia. Um, Lily Muni, he, she qualified in Florida. She's dating F1 Williams racing driver, Alex Albin. Um, that's I you brought up fact. I know, right? <laughs> Lilia Vu, um, as you mentioned, she qualified in, in St. Louis. Just like fun, fun people, fun names, um, people that if you, you know, you've probably like recognized or heard them before, whether they're amateur play, you know, you listen to a For the Ladies podcast, whatever it may be. <laughs> um, it, it is a really fun field. And, and I, I agree with you. It does lend itself to creating some really nice stories. Um, yeah. Yeah, just good group, like super pumped. Right, agreed. <laughs> um, who are you excited to 
play and compete? Like, who are you? Well, you're going to be on the grounds. Who I'm are gonna you going to go follow? I've got some fun facts for you, too, before we delve into our hot predictions. Oh, amazing. So the last three champions, Jungyun Lee, Alem Kim, and Yuka Sasso, it was their first win and to date their only LPGA Tour win, which is kind of interesting that it hasn't necessarily springboarded them maybe like people thought it would. Sure. Seven of the last 11 winners are from South Korea, mm-hmm. and the average winning score the last 11 years is just better than six under par, which interestingly enough lines up fairly well with when Annika won at Pine Needle, she shot eight under, Kari Webb shot seven under, and Christy Kerr shot five under. So as you're watching, you know, we're probably looking at something in that six to eight under par range. So, and we could have a, it's an interesting kind of dynamic when you look at the champions that have, you know, won at Pine Needles versus the trends of recent winners. So it's kind of two converging facts here. Are we going to continue the first time? Winners, are we going to get a legacy slash Hall of Fame type winner? And we will see. So in terms of players, I'm really excited to see, you know, I am going to make it a point to make sure that Steph and I go out and see Annika. Annika used to play in what was and will always be known to me as the Jamie Farr Classic here in Sylvania, just outside Toledo. And I went, you know, saw her play as a kid to see one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time play hopefully four rounds of golf but at a minimum two rounds of golf in a very competitive atmosphere i think she'll get a lot of television time which she most certainly deserves but i think people that are on the ground should make it a point to to a certain degree pay some respect to someone that did it you know not necessarily for the longest time but did it as good if not better than anybody else so i'm going to be sure to go, you know, check her out. The other person who you've already talked about a couple times is Rosang. You know, she's currently the NCAA champion. As we're recording this, Stanford's, you know, battling it out in the finals uh, of the NCAA championship. We talked about no laying up. Just did a great documentary with Stanford golf that's worth a plug and worth tuning in. It's a little over an hour. Kind of does a week in the life of their golf team. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised Rose went to college. Who knows? How, this could be it. But, sure. you know, as the number one amateur in the world, it's definitely worth checking her out. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's amazing. Annika pulls a crowd. I think that you, you will be walking with plenty of people um, when her group plays. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see. I'm, I always love watching the amateurs play. I went to the 2014 U S open and worked, um, as like a social media intern at it. And I remember when all of the girls started showing up and I had just left the American junior golf association. And like, I'm seeing all these girls who are now in college who played and they're just so honored and excited to be there. And this is, you know, this is their first, a lot of, for a lot of them, it'll be their first, you know, time playing in, um, professional events, maybe. Um, it's also fun to see like the mid-am champions get to play in the event. Um, you know, they earn that spot by winning those championships and, and that's really rewarding too. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm just excited to hopefully get to stand at like the first tee and watch everybody tee off and, um, get to walk around a little bit, but, um, 
I guess like who I, so you had divided this up. You wrote any bold prediction predictions, first time major winner, hall of fame type winner, legacy winner, but was that like a multiple choice question? It was just trying to, you know, spur some thought in conversation. <laughs> I broke my predictions into three categories. Maybe and you we, should just lead and I <laughs> I have one player from each category. I have a player okay. that should win. Okay. I have a player with the talent and a major resume to win. And I have a player who's currently in great form that I think will contend. So I will start at the bottom with who I think a player that is in great form that I think has a chance to contend. And that player is uh, Sweden's Madeline Sagstrom. Madeline has one career win. She's got three top tens this year. Her last four events, she's finished 13th, 3rd, 9th, and 3rd. So that's a nice trajectory, a nice trend. She's 15th in the CME race to the CME points. She's 29th in the Rolex World Rankings. I have more fun facts. She has made the cut in all five U.S. Women's Open she's played in. Wow. And in her last five majors played, she's got four top 20s. So to me, this looks like a player where we have, she's played well in majors. She has won before. She's got three top tens this year and is playing well. Madeline Sagstrom is my first pick of a player that I think will be in the mix come Sunday. Okay. I. Who is your player that you think will be in the mix? I said Ataya Thitikol. Excellent choice. Oh, thank you. Um, So she is currently number five in the world. She has plenty of top finishes this year. Um, She won the JTBC Classic presented by Barbara Saul. Um, And she's just been really consistent this year. A lot of a lot of like top five finishes. Um, she, this will be her first U S women's open. And Hey, if we're going to go with like the theme of somebody who's kind of new and needs to be elevated and go with that storyline, like she's my gal. Um, she is also only 19 years old. So that could just be a really fun, uh, storyline and journey, you know, competing against girls who are in college, but they're even older than her. Um, and like, she's got game. So I, 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 I'm really excited by her. And so that's who I'm my eye on to contend. I think um, that's a great choice. Thank you. I'm so honored that you thought it was a great <laughs> choice. Um, who, who do you have next in your categories? My next category is p- the player that I think has the resume and talent to win. So I think Madeline okay. will be in the mix. I think this player will have a chance to win, and that's Patty T. Patty T still just has one win. It is a major, but she's got four top sevens in her last five major starts. So she's getting in the mix in majors. Then this is where we go advanced analytics, KPMG advanced (laughs) analytics. She's 18th in stroke total strokes gained. She's fourth in strokes gained putting. So she hits the ball well. And she puts the ball well. She's 13th in the Rolex rankings, 21st in the CME points rankings. I believe that Patty T will be in the mix with a chance to win come Sunday. That is prediction number two. Okay. So with that type of category, 
my next pick then would be Lydia Ko. So as of May 15th, using your stats, um, you know, savviness, she is ranked first in strokes gained putting. And I think putting on, you know, any Donald Ross greens course is difficult. So excited to to watch her do that. Um, She is ranked third in the world. She is not playing in, I don't believe she's playing in the match play this week, like clearly prepping. Mm-hmm. gearing up and she plenty of top finishes she won the game bridge lpga at boca rio uh top th- mm, top three finish at the palos verdes championship um just finishing well this year i i just think i think she's certainly due for another major too um and Next. she's got the game and the career for it so um it seems like her time Yep, and that fits the Hall of Fame type player narrative and a little bit of a legacy victory narrative and all those good things that I think Lydia Ko would be an incredibly popular champion Mm -hmm. of the event, that at the end of the weekend, everyone would feel really good about seeing Lydia Ko holding the trophy. Yeah. So, all right, here's the big one. Who, Abby, do you think will win. I'll let you go first. Well, wait, we talked about, well, I see on your list, AM in contention. So should we oh, talk about low? Okay. Should we do low AM? Sure. Low that's AM. That's very like, that's a very big thing at USGA championship. Yes. Who you will get a medal. Yeah. I mean, everybody likes a prize. Do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. I'm going with Jensen Castle. Um, I think the 2021 US Women's uh, Amateur really I think it was the confidence boost she needed to know that she can compete with the best in the world. Um, and she has become this superstar ever since I should have looked up prior to this, like her Curtis cup finish this year, but she's a leader. She seems to have earned and learned how to be confident in her game. Um, so I think Rose would obviously be amazing. And and I think, I think she certainly could. I also just think it's like a lot of golf to be playing. Like she just played, um, you know, a ton of golf to get into stroke for stroke play to match play. And now she's playing all these matches. Today's the last day, certainly some time to recover. So you never know, um, a a week from now, she might be like, yeah, I'm ready to go and let's tee it up tomorrow. Um, but it's a lot of golf. And so that's why I went with Jensen. Yeah, I was actually going to say the same thing. I think Rose is the easy pick based on her resume, based on her world ranking. I'm actually, given your usual predictions, surprised you didn't just take Rose. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, so I'll kind of go with the player that played at the NCAA's team didn't do maybe as well as they wanted, but is a little older amateur player with a good college resume and that is i'm going to probably butcher alexandra forsterling from arizona state university by way of germany she qualified at ganey ranch in scottsdale so she earned her spot she played in the 2021 augusta national women's amateur um so i think it's a she's a college player with a decent college resume that i kind of like that convergence of trends and again, I, I think that. Rose is the easy pick. If Rose finished fifth in this tournament, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If she totally. ran out of gas and missed the cut, that wouldn't surprise me either. Right, right. And excited either way to kind of watch that. Yeah. Um, so now, like, final pick? Is that what Final pick. Is? Final showdown. I am ready to get my heart broken, but I'm going with Lexi Thompson. <laughs> That's who I picked. 
Shut up. Yeah. Lexi <laughs> Thompson, and I'll give you all the reasons why. Oh my gosh, this is so nice. <laughs> She's number one in strokes gain total. She's yep. 24th in putts per green and regulation, first on the LPGA in greens and regulation, three top fives in U.S. Opens in the last four years. I mean, her one miscut in that stretch was the December U.S. Open. I, you know, you don't want to discount that, but kind of throw that one out. So she's got, you know, three top fives in the last four U.S. Opens. I, I'm not 100% sure how well this golf course sets up for her. But if you're number one in strokes gain, that means you can hit the golf ball and she can hit the golf ball and she should have won last year. Right. And her time has to be coming. She's too good to only have one major. She's too Mm -hmm. good to not have more wins. And at the same time, we've already talked about, she's only 27 years old. Right. And you think about how many people in golf, male or female, have fabulous careers in their late 20s, early 30s. She could have a whole nother second life, a whole nother. Kind of like a Lydia Ko situation. And and here's the thing. She's still sixth in the world. She almost won, (laughs) you know, last week when Min Ji won. So it's not like she's coming from well off the pace here. I know. Are there? She's having like a solid year. Um, I did look at it. She shot 86, 82 when she was 12 years old um, and then missed the cut, but like she was 12 years old. So um, I don't think we can pull much from that. But right, exactly. I, that's so funny. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just think like she's due. She obviously has the game. It's probably a mental, like, can you just get over the hump and, um, when she is hoisting the trophy on Sunday, you and I will be like celebrating right. and high-fiving. Right. I mean, I think she'll be able to hit driver. The fairways are wide. I think she'll be able to, to a certain degree, power the golf course. Yeah. Like she likes to do. And, you know, when you hit a lot of greens, she's going to give herself chances. And at the end of the day with Lexi, it's how does she putt from three to eight feet? Right. And, If she puts decently, she's going to have a chance. With her talent, I will be very disappointed if she's not in contention. Absolutely. Golf golf tournaments are hard to win. Like we said, she should have won last year. But if she's not in contention, I will be disappointed. So I figure when the the, the big Vegas betting odds come out, Lexi will probably be in that 15 to 1 type range. And I think that's a good number on the player that has a great chance to win. Mm, yeah, I'm excited. It's a, it's a really special week. I'm super pumped about it. Um, I'm excited you guys are coming down, getting to experience another premier golf event. It is um, a great event. I mean, that's the other thing too with yeah. ProMedica and the USGA. And we've talked about venues and where this event is going as a sporting event, this event is definitely on the rise. As a golf tournament, it's on the rise. I think we'll get a great champion. I hope it's, you know, a name we mentioned, you know. Yeah. But I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see the golf course, the pictures, the flyovers. The content looks great. So I'm very excited to get down there here in a week and get in explore the mix. all that the area has to offer. You, you will need to explore. You got to explore Southern Pines and right. the village. Have you been right. to Pinehurst before? 
Uh, oh, fun golf story. I was at Pinehurst the last time my senior year of college on a miserable okay. spring break trip with our golf team where it never got above about 55 degrees and rain for about four days. That's gross. So I've tried to block a lot of those painful memories. I probably shot between 77 and 82 in the rain every day. Yeah. And that was pretty much the end of my college golf career. And that's very, okay. Very unceremonious, a very unceremonious, just abrupt end in the rain, some tournament outside of Pinehurst where I probably finished a hundredth. And you're like, I am done. I am done. Shake hands, sign the scorecard. It's been a pleasure. Are you playing any golf while you're here? We're hoping to play a couple times. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're hoping to play at the cradle and maybe get on um, another of the, the Pinehurst courses. So it just kind of sure. depends. I'm trying to kind of strategically keep an eye on the weather and oh, pick yeah. out the best days and times to play. The thing that's craziest, as you well know, living down there, there's just so many options and we're only there for like three and a half, four days. So right. you're never going to get it in. And we want to go to the golf tournament. So maybe it's something that just spurs another trip. But we've definitely got a couple trips around the cradle, which is perfect for us from a, yeah. a time, a having cocktails and a vibe type environment. Well, you're going to have a great time over there. Um, right. Well, we have a special treat for people who have lasted this long in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, Justin conducted an interview and we're going to tag it on to the end of this. Um, Justin, do you want to introduce our, our special guest for this preview? Yeah. So we interviewed a prominent individual here in our community or my community here in Toledo, Randy Ostra who is the CEO at ProMedica and obviously was heavily involved in ProMedica uh, jumping on board with the USGA. So we talked a little bit about kind of how that partnership began, uh, where he sees the U.S. Women's Open going, the message that ProMedica would like to get out in terms of their brand, in terms of public health and public health initiatives. And it's just interesting to see, you know, and hear his perspective on how they kind of came into the partnership. And like we've talked about, it's, it's great for the purse. It's great for the purpose, the venues. And we talked a little bit about that as well. Well, I, we hope everyone enjoys that. We hope everyone enjoys the content and everything to come of next week. If you're listening to it now, if you're listening to it Monday of championship week, we hope you enjoy the U S women's open presented by ProMedica and, uh, Next time I talk to you, Justin, you'll probably be here, here in Southern Pines. I will see you Thursday around lunchtime. Cannot wait. <laughs> Safe travels. Thank you very much. Have a great week. <laughs> well, on behalf of the For the Ladies and the Mixed Bag podcast, as part of our U.S. Open Women's Preview, it's my pleasure to welcome Mr. Randy Ostra, the president and CEO of ProMedica. And for those of you that don't know, in January, the United States Golf Association announced a long-term partnership with ProMedica that includes presenting partner rights for the U.S. Women's Open that will allow the championship to nearly double the prize purse, raise the profile of host sites, and increase the charitable support. So with that, I thank Mr. Randy Oster for joining us. Randy, how are you this evening, sir? I, I am great, Justin. Thanks for uh, having me on tonight. Well, thank you very much. We'll kind of dive right in, Randy. And I think the biggest thing 
that we want to talk about is if you could just kind of take us through the timeline of how Prometica's connection and development with the LPGA, with women's golf, and ultimately the USGA kind of came about. I know you guys were involved with the 2020 Drive-On Championship at Inverness that kicked off after the COVID pause, but I think a lot of us are just curious how this relationship kind of cultivated itself. Sure. You know, um, of course, Toledo has a proud history in women's golf and, uh, you know, we've always participated, uh, over the years in the tournament and, uh, what really kind of pulled it all together was the drive on championship. And, you know, we got approached about, you know, being, uh, um, a sponsor with others and, um, what kind of that led to is just, I think connections, networking, friendships, whatever you want. And uh, we were real, real excited again with the drive-on championship, especially at Inverness, and uh, it turned out to be a great event. And really, those relationships um, and some of the things we talked about at that time was with the LPGA staff about social determinants of health and issues that everyone navigates in life, whether you're a golfer or anyone, and um, you know uh, how important they were to us. And so, what happened from the drive-on championship and then the Solheim Cup? You know, it was the same people. And so we we got to know them. Of course, they camped in Toledo for a long, long time. And then ironically, they the people we were working with, the people we talked to, all ended up at the USGA. And so the discussions we had had along the way ended up a USGA discussion and then evolved to our partnership. Awesome. Now, I guess kind of along those lines, was there anything specific that attracted ProMedica to the USGA or specifically to the presenting sponsorship of US of the US Women's Open? You know, um, we've spent, oh, 10 plus years um, looking at social determinants of health. You could call those social determinants of work. So these are the issues that people navigate, you know, uh, in life. So we think sometimes about clinical care which has very little to do with your health and well-being, actually like 20%. 80% has a lot to do with where you grow up and you live and the opportunities in life. And things like everything from transportation to utilities to food to childcare, you know, just a whole, um, you know, all the type of social things you can, can think about. And, you know, again, when you think about people navigating those in life, and as we talk to the USGA about those issues, they got very interested in, in wanting to think about the, those issues with golfers, especially young girls getting into golf. And what they talked about was, you know, trying to put more focus on younger golfers who have to many times, unless they're a family of wealth, have to navigate it on their own. And so just a real passion about trying to address those sort of issues and then it led to, well, why don't we work together and why don't we sponsor? And then, oh, by the way, you can become the charity. So it really just kind of built in a whole series of discussions. And I think what was interesting, um, they just got very passionate about the things we got passionate about. And I think they went to the USGA to change things up, you know, and they uh, when they brought, I think, the idea forward, it was kind of like, you know, you want to do what with who? And it was the idea of building, um, building kind of a kind of a shared, you know, mission around trying to address these issues in people's lives, calling attention to it. And so I think it was just this, this whole partnership just evolved. And then the idea for us 
and a lot of the things we're trying to do nationally with AAA and other organizations, it was a way for us to get our name out there in markets that we're going to market to in the next few years. So we thought it made a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think for myself, living here in Toledo, Ohio, I get to see on a daily basis all that ProMedica has done for my community, from downtown revitalization to the hospital systems to all the success that you guys have seen. But along those lines, through your partnership and through your sponsorship, kind of what message regarding the organization are you hoping that golf fans, sports fans, you mentioned, you know, markets that you're getting into, what are you guys hoping to deliver and convey to people when they see your name and they Google your name or they get onto your social media presence? What is it that you hope that people and fans learn about your organization? Well, you know, we, um, we're a traditional hospital system. So we have doctors, we have hospitals, we have an insurance company. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, ended up acquiring HCR Manor Care. So we're in 28 states today with about 45,000 employees. So we're in a, you know, we are a national company, of not in every state, but a lot of states. And then some of the efforts we have, um, you know, we're trying to, you know, convince people to, you know, work with us uh, on a couple of different products we're doing projects. And so the idea is like, we want sure to make people know that they've heard the name before. And oh, by the way, that this is an organization that, you know, is a mission-based nonprofit who's committed to health and well-being, which includes a lot with, you know, um, addressing those issues that kind of help people navigate life. So the same thing in Toledo, you know, this is our home. We've, we've invested a lot of money. Uh, in Toledo with the idea that we'll make investments with the idea of we just want to get our money back. And a lot of that work is called anchor institution work, which has a lot to do with economic development and really just giving people the opportunity to, you know, have opportunities that will help them navigate their life. And so, you know, we're doing a lot of projects right now across the country and housing and a whole variety of foundation projects. And I think the idea that we would like people to think is we have an idea of doing this a little differently. Um, we can't afford the American healthcare system as it exists today. It's going to continue to get worse. You know, number one cause of personal bankruptcy and people go, well, why don't you just lower your prices? But the idea is we need a whole different model. And this model really kind of moves away a little bit from doing everything within a hospital and much more into individual health and well-being. And so that's kind of the message we're trying to carry forward to people. And then, oh, by the way, you know, as we use platforms and, you know, why golf, it's got a great platform. It's got a great message. Why not use that to begin to have people think about these sort of issues in different ways? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, as I've talked to you about, I'm a big fan of women's golf. I've learned a lot in my involvement in this podcast and meeting players over the last couple of years, but kind of since the January announcement, is there anything that you or your team have learned or uncovered that surprised you or was a, a pleasant surprise, whether about women's golf or this championship specifically that, you know, hey, maybe you knew, you know, the excellent history, but you, you didn't know something else. Was there anything that kind of has come to light in the last five plus months that has really kind of excited you or your team around you regarding your participation in this event? Well, you know, it's, I think we've learned a lot during COVID, you know, things that, um, we didn't really, you know, there's, there's um, a lot of times people talk about, you know, 
facts don't always matter, stories do. And when you think about, you know, we've known inequities, there's inequities in healthcare, there's inequities in golf, you know, when you think about just women versus men and the, the, whether it's purses or the, the, the uh, courses they played. And I guess you kind of knew that, but I was a little bit shocked by that. The other thing I was shocked about was, and I think the USGA was too, was the reaction this announcement got. I mean, everybody from, you know, uh, Billie Jean King to Mich Michelle Wee to others were texting how great this announcement is. And it became more of a women's equality issue in that this is a way for women to be treated differently in all segments of life. And when it was announced, um, it had, I don't know exact number, I think, uh, but the USGA was telling us that like 1.2 billion impressions across the world. And they viewed it as 100% positive. Now, I'm sure it wasn't 100% positive, but I think it hit a chord. I was on a, meet, uh, on a call the other day in a meeting and when the meeting started, um, a guy I was talking to said, I first let me stop. I want to thank you as the father of three daughters and got very emotional on the phone and just said, you know, this is the sort of recognition we need to think about for young women as they aspire to do whatever they do in life. So I think all that was very, very surprising. And then I just think the gratitude of the golfers themselves, um, both, you know, young and old in, in people that have retired. And so we've had opportunities to interact with golfers and they've just been um, very, very gracious in just, you know, everything that happened out of this partnership. So, you know, you kind of hope those things happen. Um, but yeah, it was very, very positive. And the other thing too, it's, it's positive for Toledo. It's positive for Inverness. And I think all those things, as we thought about it, we knew they'd be positive, but all these things, I think, just make us step back and say, um, you know, this was this is uh, well worth the time and effort in what's going to happen here. And I think as this evolves, it's going to be bigger than than what we think today. Yeah, I think that's great. And that gets back to like what Mike Wan said at the introductory press conference in, in New York when he talked about purse, places and purpose. And I think that really kind of summarizes, you know, what you're getting at, that there's an alignment of let's elevate the purse, let's increase the places and the venues, you know, this event is at. And as you've touched on, touched on extensively here, let's, let's find a common purpose for the greater good. Um, we've kind of implied a little bit of this, and I have a, obviously a bias towards the Inverness Club, but, you know, I'm a big venue guy and really think courses mold championships and impressions and the list of courses where the women's open is going is just it's really tremendous it's a credit to a lot of people yourself and your organization included but kind of what does that list of venues say about the future of the sport you talk about the gentleman you talked to that said hey thank you as the father of you know multiple daughters but when you've got a list of pebble beach and oakland hills and inverness and some of these historic venues what does that kind of say about the potential trajectory of women's golf and maybe, you know, how high it can go? You know, it was interesting when we were at the um, when we were at the public announcement and they had, you know, um, kind of large display areas for each one of the courses for the next, I don't know, seven or eight years. And Mike Wan said it well. And he goes like, if you're a major course in the United States, those are the people that you want to hang out with. Those are the people you want to be associated with. Those are the names that you want. And I think the idea here is like, you know, the day that 
um, a course saying, yeah, okay, I'll do a men's, but I'm not going to do a women's. I think given what's happened, that's over. And it's like, if you're going to, you know, be a host site for golf, you are going to have to, you know, um, sh um, show interest in the entire game. You're going to have to prove that, you know, um, you're, you're open to both men and women's events. And I think we've already seen that. And, uh, you know, I think USJ has said it, you know, um, at least I've heard it so said several times, if you're going to host a men's, you're going to host a women's. And I think those are the sort of things I think that, um, again, coming out of this, I think it says a lot about um, the recognition of golf. And then there were a whole variety of players who commented that said, you know, about time and, you know, women golfers um, just, you know, again, when we look at women as far as watching them swing and um, learning how to hit the hit the ball and play the game, what better people to learn from than women golfers. So I think it's a whole elevation of the sport. And I think, you know, um, the, the, just, just their athleticism and everything. So, yeah, I think it says a lot for just the whole recognition of, of women's golf. And I think just, just where it goes from here is, is just going to be uh, interesting to watch. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you one last question here. And again, I thank you for a few minutes of your time, but as we're less than a few months away here from pine needles and all the excitement that this championship with the elevated purse is going to bring, do you have any thoughts as we head into this, you know, the first presenting sponsorship with ProMedica, whether that's involved in the course or players or the USGA or the venue or any kind of things that you're excited or optimistic for as we are just now, you know, three plus weeks away? Yeah, you know, we're learning a lot. You know, this is uh, a new for us and new for the USGA. So, um, you know, the uh, the venue is going to be great. The You know, just the, the, the staff and the team at the USGA is, you know, it's about a first class organization. And so, you know, I've been incredibly impressed with, um, you know, uh, the people and the partnership. And so, you know, this year is kind of a learning event for us and, you know, some of the charity stuff we're doing. And then we've already talked about how the charity work will evolve over a period of time. So I think we're excited to see um, see where this, you know, uh, starts and where it goes over the next few years. I think I can see us having some announcements in the future about some things we're doing together that we haven't talked about today. And so I think, yeah, it's, this is a starting point. We're excited to get it underway. We're excited to, you know, be on the ground and see how it's going to work. I'm sure we're going to learn a lot of things. And then next year is Pebble Beach. So that's, that's going to be another fun time. So, yeah, we're excited. And uh, I think at this point, we feel like we're, we're getting a handle on it. You know, we kind of came a little late to the game. So we're kind of making it up as we go. But this is going to be exciting. Or, and this is going to be a, a, a great start to a long partnership. Awesome. Well, Randy, on behalf of Abby, on behalf of the For the Ladies podcast, I thank you for 10 plus minutes of your time. I think you've shared a lot of insight into your organization, into how the partnership with the USGA transpired, and really some of the great things that are coming uh, in the future with this championship, both within the ropes, outside the ropes, and some of the great things that ProMedic is doing for uh, communities all around this country. So I thank you, sir, for your time. And once again, uh, everyone tune in to the U.S. Women's Open coming up at Pine Needles. Thank you, Randy. Yep. Thanks, Justin. Have a good night. You too, buddy.